0: Today, we'll hear the testimony from three nominees to serve the United States of America in various positions. George Ed Mosbacher has been nominated to be the U.S. Ambassador to the great country of Poland. And I have to in- interject a personal note. I know Senator Blunt's going to introduce her in a minute, but I had the- she and I have the pleasure of sharing a mutual friend for many years in life, Ms. Jean First of Atlanta, who was a great Republican leader in our state and a great lady who passed on a few years ago, but she loved George Ed Mosbacher to death. Stephen Akart, who's been nominated to be the Director of Office of Foreign Missions with the rank of ambassador. And finally, Mark Rosen to be the serve as the US Executive Director of the International Monetary Fund for a term of two years. I want to thank you for your willingness to serve your nation. I want to welcome you and any family members that you have with you. And I hope when your time comes to speak that you'll introduce any special guests or family members that you have with you. <laughs> I know you have, may have colleagues who would like to introduce Mr. Ms. Mossbacher and Mr. Acard, and I'm going to introduce both of them at this time. First will be Roy Blunt to introduce Ms. Mossbacher, then Senator Young to introduce uh, uh, Senator Acard, and I will introduce uh, Mr. Rosen. So, with that said, Senator Roy Blunt from Missouri.
1: Well, thank you, uh, Chairman Isaacson, and uh, Senator Shaheen, and uh, and Senator Young, and others who'll join this hearing perhaps later. It's a really a great uh, privilege for me to come and officially introduced Georgette Mosbacher to the uh, committee. She is a valued friend of our family. She and my wife have been friends for a long time and she and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, She's uh, done so many things to be uh, helpful to so many people and also had a great business career. She founded her own international business and marketing firm Um, From 2001 to 2015, she was the CEO of Breghese, which is a global uh, cosmetics manufacturing company. She was appointed by President Obama to the United States Advisory Commission on Public Diplomacy. Uh, Georgette currently serves on the boards of the Atlantic Council, the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund, uh, and the Business Executives for National Security. Uh, You mentioned, uh, Mr. Chairman, whenever you talked about the great country of Poland. Clearly, Poland's an important country to us to have a friend of the president, to have someone who understands our government and our public and private diplomacy in the way uh, that Georgette uh, does uh, would be a, a tremendous uh, benefit for our country and one of our uh, most dependable friends in the world. It is an important country. We're in the position here, with the help of your committee and the Senate, to send... Uh, just the right individual, I think, at this time, and I'm glad to be here with you, but particularly glad to be here with Georgette Mossbecker.
0: Thank you
2: very much, Senator
0: Blunt. Senator Young?
2: Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman, ranking member Shaheen. Uh, it's my honor to introduce Stephen Akard. Uh Steve's the nominee to serve as director of the Office of Foreign Missions with the rank of ambassador. The Office of Foreign Missions has many important responsibilities related to U.S. diplomatic and consular missions, Uh, abroad as well as foreign missions here in the United States. Mr. Akert is a fellow Hoosier and a fellow graduate of the Indiana University McKinney School of Law. He has an outstanding combination of diplomatic experience as a foreign service officer with the Department of State and subsequent leadership experience in economic development on behalf of the State of Indiana. Three successive Indiana governors have relied on his advice on matters of economic development and international relations. For example, he spearheaded gubernatorial missions to China, Germany, Israel, Japan, and the U.K. with meetings at the highest levels of business and government. During his tenure in Indiana, the state strengthened its international relationships considerably, and the result has been significant new foreign direct investment, and significant new job creation in Indiana associated with companies such as Toyota, Honda, Rolls-Royce, BP, just to name a few. Indiana's international economic development efforts are widely admired and Steve has played an important role in that effort. I'd note Steve received two meritorious honor awards while serving in the Department of State and he was awarded the Distinguished Alumni Award from Indiana University, Purdue University of Indianapolis. I'm confident he will bring those same leadership and management skills and critical thinking skills to the Department of State as the Director of the Office of Foreign Missions. I'm pleased our committee is considering his nomination. I look forward to supporting your nomination. I'd also like to acknowledge the presence of our other two nominees, Ms. Mossbacher and Mr. Rosen. Ms. Mossbacher, I would note parochially, uh, you're also a proud graduate of Indiana University. So congratulations uh, to,
0: to all of you on your nominations. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Senator Young. In just a minute, we'll turn to our nominees to be, make their opening statements, and you'll have up to five minutes, and there's a big trap that opens under your desk if you talk longer than five minutes, and we'll never hear from you again, so be sure and hold it within that if you can. But for your sanity, your, your whole statement will be entered in the record as soon as it's completed, and we'll serve there in perpetuity, so you'll never be forgotten, I promise you, as long as you live. Mr. Rosen, it's a pleasure for me to introduce you. Uh, We had the chance to meet and talk a little bit outside before we came in today. And I was very interested in your nomination for a lot of reasons. But one of the big things I believe in is business, capitalism, and the fact that you don't tend to bomb people you trade with, you finance with, and you enjoy mutual benefits with. And certainly the International Monetary Fund is a key to American principles and ideals being spread around the world and materializing in terms of good friendships with our foreign countries but also good businesses for our companies. American companies are never gonna expand their market share unless they go overseas. Most of them have mature market shares in the United States, so it's important to have relationships like the IMF to be able to open those doors everywhere we can. I was particularly interested in your leadership of the Latin America Investment Banking at American uh, American Merrill Lynch, which is a great company with a great reputation, and also the fact that you work with Credit Suisse, UBS, and Barclays. I'm not gonna hold it against you that you went to Oxford and appreciate it. It's typically not going to hold it against you that you went to Harvard, but we're just <laughs> awful glad that you got the degree from the School of Hard Knocks in Wall Street. You have a great reputation and come to us highly recommended. And we're proud to have you today. To all three of you, I hope you'll submit your remarks for the record to be held, and they'll be held for five. They'll be held permanently. Any comments or additional questions you want for the record? We'll hold the record up for five uh, days after this hearing for you to amend your answer or amend the record any, any way that you want to. You'll have the opportunity to do so. Ms. Mossberg, the country of Poland, is a great friend of the United States and has been for years. I'm a Swede, and I remember what Roald Wallenberg did in Hungary by saving over 100 million, 100,000 Jews from the Nazi Holocaust. I you know Poland suffered during that time tremendously and has been a great friend of the United States for those years, as have we been a great friend for them. So you're going to a very important post for our country in a very important time. Mr. Acar, you are in an interesting position because I don't know of any time the United States has ever had more balls in the air in international affairs than we've got right now. Whether it's North Korea, whether it's the South China Sea, wherever it might be, we're engaged heavily and we will be even more so in the future. What you will do is so, has such an important role to play with our ambassadors and our missions overseas and the services that our ambassadors get, as well as what services we grant to foreign dignitaries to come to this country, is going to be critically important, and I'm sure you'll do a great job with it as you know from my introduction to you, Mr. Rosen, I know how important financial affairs are, how important the financing of financial transactions are, and how how the development of infrastructure depends on mutual sharing of information, knowledge, equity, and investment. So I know you'll be great representative of our country on the IMF. We appreciate you accepting that nomination. And I'm proud to introduce you today. And I'll now turn it to our ranking member for any opening statements she'd like to make.
3: Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. And I would also like to welcome each of our nominees this afternoon. You're being nominated for very important posts. I'd also like to welcome your families who are here today. I understand that you serve along with the sacrifice of your family, so thank you for that. If confirmed, each of you will assume leadership roles dealing with foreign or economic policies. But in addition to the policy issues that you'll be dealing with, You'll also be responsible for leading dedicated career employees. I urge you to take full advantage of their expertise and to remain mindful of their non-political status. Our foreign affairs professionals, both Foreign Service and Civil Service, are a national asset and I know you join me in thanking them for their service to our country. Now many members of this committee have expressed concern at the current administration's disregard as reflected in its budget requests for the value of American soft power to advance our interests. Retreat from our historical leadership role is simply not a realistic alternative in the 21st century. People around the world look to the United States for leadership, and I believe we must remain ready to take up this challenge as we have since World War II. Now, today we will consider Mark Rosen to be U.S. Executive Director of the International Monetary Fund, which is one of the multilateral institutions that make up this post-war world order. Um, I have a particular connection to the IMF because it was conceived at a UN conference in Bretton Woods in New Hampshire in 1944, and the countries at that conference sought to build a framework for economic cooperation to avoid a repetition of the Great Depression of the 1930s, which contributed directly to the outbreak of World War II. Mr. Acard, you're our nominee for the State Department's Office of Foreign Missions and this office carries out vital work to ensure that the principle of reciprocity is upheld in the treatment of U.S. diplomatic and consular missions abroad. This has taken on greater meaning with the shuttering of Russia's diplomatic facilities in response to the Kremlin's aggression toward the United States. of course, we're also considering Georgette Mosbacher to be ambassador to Poland. Poland has been by America's side in Iraq and Afghanistan, and we enjoy close cultural ties and shared values. Poland's free market economy is a post-Cold War success story. And while relations between Poland and the United States are positive, Poland's domestic governance in the areas of judicial independence and the rule of law are cause for concern. So in closing, Mr. Chairman, I would like to remind all of our nominees that the foundation of our leadership around the world is based on America's core values, freedom, human rights, justice, and rule of law. These are the values that continue to make the United States a compelling example for the world. They represent something that our authoritarian adversaries fear and cannot emulate. So if confirmed, I urge each of you to keep these values at the forefront of everything you do as you represent the United States. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
0: Thank you very much, Senator Shaheen. And Ms. Mossbacher. we'll recognize you for five minutes.
4: Thank you. Chairman Isaacson, Ranking Member Shaheen, Senator Cardin, I would like to thank President Trump for nominating me as ambassador to Poland. With the Senate's confirmation, serving as ambassador to Poland will be the most solemn responsibility of my life. Joining me is my family, my sisters, Lynn and Melody, and my brother George, the redheads behind me. (laughs) I regret that our 93-year-old mother, Dorothy Paulson, could not be here. Mother passed away 10 weeks ago. We grew up in the Midwestern steel town of Highland, Indiana. My father was killed by a drunk driver when I was only seven years old. As the oldest child of four, I did my best to help mom raise my siblings. I spent a lot of time with my maternal grandmother, Mary Bell, in East Chicago, Indiana. Grandma worked the midnight shift as a switcher for the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. Her mother, my great-grandmother, taught me to count and how to do my first budget from all three women. I learned the value of a dollar, and the meaning of grit. In East Chicago, Indiana, I was surrounded by Polish culture. The Chicago region had the greatest concentration of Poles outside Poland. Everywhere I turned, I saw these hard-working immigrants, deeply faithful, industrious people. I'm an example of the American dream. I was the first in my family to attend college, working three jobs to pay tuition. Later, I built two branded global companies. While expanding sales worldwide, I learned about export-import law, regulations, and international supply chains, and gained an appreciation for predictability, transparency, security, and the rule of law. All of my products were manufactured in New Jersey, made in the USA, and then exported all over the world. For over a decade, I have been a member and served on the Board of Business Executives for National Security. I've traveled on behalf of Ben's missions for the State and Defense Departments to Afghanistan, Azerbaijan, Guantanamo Bay, Djibouti, the Baltic Peninsula, the Balkan Mountains, to name just a few, and experienced firsthand the logistical complexity and strategic planning that our military is dealing with every day to keep us free and safe. While serving on the board of the Atlantic Council, I had the good fortune to engage regularly with the foreign policy community across administrations, the private sector, and public policy organizations. This experience further shaped my appreciation for the commitment and engagement required to make the transatlantic relationship central to our national security. In 2016, I was honored to be unanimously confirmed by this Senate to serve on the U.S. Commission for Public Diplomacy. That service has shown me that the tools of public diplomacy can be leveraged to enhance economic opportunity, trade, and security. When President Trump traveled to Warsaw last year, he emphasized that the United States benefits from a strong Poland. This means a Poland that is sovereign and independent with strong constitutional freedoms, a Poland that is militarily secure, and a Poland that is economically robust and resilient. I'd like to address these three areas. first. We recognize the sacrifices the Poles have made for our freedom and theirs as they have fought in solidarity with us and have died in support of our shared values and our shared history. I am aware of recent concerns about respect for democratic institutions in Poland, freedom of speech, the independence of the judiciary and the rule of law, and I am ready to voice our concerns if I'm confirmed as ambassador. Second, Poland is now an important military leader in both the EU and NATO. We appreciate that it is one of the few NATO countries which has consistently met its obligation of 2.5% of its GDP on defense spending and is well into a $40 billion modernization of their armed forces. A more secure Poland means a more energy independent Poland. Helping the Polish people diversify their energy choices provides an opportunity for innovative American energy companies. Poland and its neighbors should not be held hostage to a single supplier of energy. Third and finally, Poland is a great economic success story. It has tripled its GDP per capita since 1990, enjoying the strongest economic growth of any nation in Central and Eastern Europe. My top priority, if confirmed, will be to encourage American businesses to expand trade between our nations. We must increase our exports to Poland's 40 million consumers to create American jobs back at home and to ensure American companies are treated fairly on a level playing field. If confirmed, I will work to preserve and strengthen our bilateral political, economic, security collaboration including on matters of NATO, Ukraine, Russia, the Community of Democracies, the Three Seas Initiatives, and the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe. A Poland that guarantees the freedom of its people, protects its military security and that of its allies, and creates economic growth and opportunity for all, will be the most effective ally the United States has in the region. A strong Poland means a stronger America. Mr. Chairman, Madam Ranking Member, members of the committee, thank you for this opportunity to appear here today.
0: Thank you, Ms. Mossbacher. Mr. Carton. Mr. Chairman,
5: uh, Ranking Member Shaheen, distinguished members of the committee, it's an honor to be with you here today as President Trump's nominee to be the Director of the Office of Foreign Missions at the Department of State. I'm grateful for the confidence he has placed in me and should I be confirmed, for the opportunity to work with Secretary Pompeo and the many talented and dedicated people at the State Department. I'd like to thank my family, my wife Kay, and our three daughters, Julianne, Claire, and Hope, who are here uh, with me today and have been a source of boundless love and support. As a fellow Hoosier, I'd also like to thank Senator Young for his generous and kind introduction and recognize the important contributions to the functioning of this committee. I appreciate the role of the Office of Foreign Missions in advancing our foreign policy and our national security interests. If confirmed, I will be dedicated to furthering the important objectives established in the Foreign Missions Act. I entered the Foreign Service 20 years ago. I served overseas at the U.S. Consulate General in Mumbai, India, and during 9-11 at the Embassy in Brussels, Belgium. Following that tour, I served in Washington, D.C., in the Executive Secretariat, or the line, where I advanced trips around the world for then-Secretary Colin Powell. I returned home to Indiana for a new chapter of my professional career, where I was fortunate to work with the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, or IEDC. At the IEDC, I pursued international economic development projects for the state of Indiana served as General Counsel and later as Chief of Staff, and had the honor of advising three successive governors and working with them to bring jobs and investment back home. I brought the skills I honed as a Foreign Service officer to the state level. Our successes were remarkable. In the last four years of my tenure alone, the state of Indiana attracted more than 20,000 new job commitments through foreign direct investment, and more than $6 billion in capital investments. If confirmed, I will bring these managerial and global experiences to the position of the Director of Foreign Missions. The Office of Foreign Missions plays a critical role in four distinct areas. First, employing reciprocity to ensure equitable treatment for U.S. diplomatic and consular missions and personnel. Second, regulating the activities of foreign missions in the U.S. in a manner that will protect our foreign policy and national security interests. Third, protecting the U.S. from abuses of privileges and immunities by members of foreign missions. And fourth, providing services and assistance to foreign missions in the U.S. in order to assure appropriate privileges, benefits, and services on a reciprocal basis. (coughs) The Foreign Missions Act has positively impacted the environment in which U.S. diplomats and consular missions function overseas and created a secure basis to manage the activities of foreign missions operating here at home. Mr. Chairman, the Department of State faces enormous challenges strengthening our our security and prosperity. If confirmed, I pledge my utmost to implement the objectives of the Foreign Missions Act on behalf of our personnel overseas and to defend our national security interests with respect to foreign missions operating here in the U.S. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I look forward to any questions the Committee may have.
0: Thank you, Mr. Eckhart. Mr. Rosen? Thank you, Chairman
6: Isaacson ranking member Shaheen and members of the committee for the opportunity to appear before you today. I'm honored that President Trump has nominated me to serve as the United States Executive Director of the International Monetary Fund, and I'm grateful to Secretary Mnuchin and Under-Secretary Malpass for their confidence and support. I'm delighted to have my wife Inez, my daughter Katarina, and my son Ben here today. Katarina is a graduate of Vanderbilt University and works on the production of documentaries in New York, and Ben is a graduate of Williams College and works as a healthcare policy consultant in Boston. I'm very grateful to my wife for all she's done in raising these two children, of whom I'm very proud, and also for her encouragement and support to me in pursuing my career focused on Latin America over the last 25 years. It would be an honor to serve as the United States Executive Director of the International Monetary Fund. And my willingness to serve in this role is because for some time, I've been interested in public service, as I believe I owe a sincere debt of gratitude to this country for the great opportunities it has given me and my family. I was born in the United Kingdom and came to the USA first in 1980 as an 18 year old traveling from east to west And I immediately realized what a great and beautiful country this is. I vowed to come back here to study when I had the resources to do so. And in 1986, I returned for an MBA at the Harvard Business School, which was a tremendous opportunity I'll always treasure. Finally, I accepted an opportunity to work in US investment banking in 1993. And my wife, who was born and raised in Peru, and I moved to Miami, Florida, where later our children were born. In 2006, we became proud US citizens. I believe now, after more than 27 years of living in the United States, this is the time to give something back to our country. And if confirmed by the Senate, I will do all I can to serve in this role to the best of my ability. I've spent most of my 33 year professional career in the financial markets of emerging markets countries as an investment banker working with financial institutions and companies, raising capital to support economic development, particularly in Latin America. From 1998 to 2010, I was head of Latin America financial institutions at Credit Suisse in New York. In 2010, I joined Bank of America Merrill Lynch, where for five years I was head of Latin American investment banking, managing an approximately 100 person team, and co-managing a large loan book, helping companies and governments across the region access capital. I'm now chairman of that group. In addition to my practical experience, I have an academic background in and lifelong interest in political and economic policy. As a result of my extensive involvement in emerging markets, I've had the opportunity to see firsthand the potential and the challenges emerging countries face, as well as the positive impact governments can have when they pursue sensible macroeconomic policies that brings stability and growth. If confirmed, I will work vigorously to improve the functioning of the IMF and to further this administration's principal objectives for this important institution. As I understand them, these are for the IMF to promote more balanced and sustainable global growth, reduce the likelihood of financial crises, and strengthen economic governance and capacity of its member states. These objectives are all critical to advancing US growth and prosperity. In addition, if confirmed, as Secretary Mnuchin has recently requested of the IMF, I will do all I can to encourage the IMF to streamline streamline its program conditions to make them more effective, more effectively tackle corruption, and boost debt transparency and sustainability, particularly in its low-income member countries. Thank you again, Chairman Isaacson, Ranking Member Shaheen, for this opportunity to appear before you, and I would be pleased to answer any questions you or the committee may have.
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Rosen. I'm going to take the liberty of being the designated chairman here to act like a chairman and make the rules. Senator Murphy showed up here, and I appreciate him coming. And I'm, although I would normally lead off questions as chairman, I'm going to give him a little early warning and so say you're going to have a chance. You've got a constituent here. We've talked about your service to the people of Connecticut in your absence earlier, and that it was a good conversation. I know Mr. Rosen would love to talk to you again, love to receive your questions. I'll introduce Senator Murphy for any questions he might have. Great.
7: Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, not only did Mr. Rosen make a wise choice in his place of residence, but his son uh, made a wise choice in his uh, choice of college. Uh, right. So as a, as a nutmegger and as a Williams College E. I'll explain to you, Mr. Chairman, what that means later. Uh, We uh, appreciate uh, appreciate your willingness to serve. I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, Just uh, one question for you, uh, uh, Mr. Rosen. Um, The IMF is traditionally a uh, pro free trade organization. Uh, In the past, it's clashed with the Trump administration and officials uh, over some basic economic assumptions. How does the, in your mind, how does the U.S. imposition of aluminum, uh, aluminum and steel tariffs uh, and any other retaliatory actions by other countries, how does that affect the IMF's loan-making process? What do you sort of foresee as the interaction between this increasing uh, war of actions and words on trade between the United States and other countries and the IMF's ability to do their job and your ability to do the job at the IMF?
6: I think that's a very good question, uh, Senator. And um, I think the IMF, um, its core mission is to try to uh, minimize global trade imbalances. That was one of the, um, one of the uh, statements and objectives that was in the core founding mission of the IMF when it was founded back in the mid1940s. And uh, so the, the IMF plays a very, very important role in trying to encourage countries to, uh, to, to um, manage their trade uh, positions, in a way that promotes global growth. And I think the IMF um, has done a reasonable job of doing that, but I think it could do, it could be a a louder advocate um, for trying to um, restore more balance in trading relations between countries. So um, clearly what you mentioned earlier is a background to that, but I think this I hope will allow the IMF to raise this back to the top of its agenda to try and um, make as much progress as we can to create free, fair, and reciprocal trade, which is, I think, what we all want.
7: Um, Ms. Mosbacher, Mosbacher, thank you very much for spending time with me Um, as uh, one of the heads of the Poland Caucus here in the Senate. I'm excited to work with you um, uh, when you take up uh, post. I think we had the chance to talk about this, and I wanted to ask you on the record um, about how you think that uh, the embassy and, um, and, and and you are going to interact with Poland on the issue of immigration. Um, Poland is one of a small handful of countries that has not accepted the number of refugees that was set out in EU uh, policy. Um, Obviously, we have effectively closed our doors to refugees here in the United States. Traditionally, we have tried to work with European countries to be part of the solution, not part of the problem with respect to the continued flow of refugees into the continent. What do you foresee is uh, the message you'll be bringing to Poland on the question of their um, uh, immigration and refugee policy? Is your microphone on?
4: I think it's on now. Thank you very much, sorry. Um, Poland's been very clear with respect to uh, refugees. They have not been willing to take any refugees. Uh, If confirmed, I will certainly work uh, with uh, the Polish government to see how we can work that situation uh, where they do their fair share um that may be harder than um than it sounds, but I do think that um, we have shared values, and those values are to be mindful of those people who who are unfortunately um, under very difficult circumstances i
7: unfortunately, I think you're probably right that these days uh the administration there and the administration here have shared values. I don't know that those values are (laughs) values related to uh, allowing refugees to come into into the country. Um, Just a quick other uh, question. This is prompted by some remarks that our ambassador to Germany made this weekend that got uh, quite a bit of news uh, weighing in on uh, his um, expressed desire to empower political conservatives throughout Europe, which seems to many of us uh, to be um, an unwarranted interference in political matters abroad, something that our diplomats try to stay uh, out of. Um, Just for the record, um, you think it's appropriate for ambassadors to be weighing in on one side or the other of a political debate or a partisan debate uh, overseas?
4: Senator, I do not. I think it is our policy if I'm confirmed as ambassador, to be bipartisan, not only in the country, but uh, at home as well, in order for, um, to achieve uh, the mission that I'm I'm given. I don't think it is appropriate.
7: Thank you, thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Thank you for your straightforward answers.
0: Thank you, and I want to ask a couple of you, want to stay for minute and would like a follow-up question. We'll probably have some time, so let me know. Uh, Mr. Rosen. We had a good conversation outside, and I, I, I have to tell you that I think every time I've heard you speak, I think of Rex Harrison. You've got the best accent possible. For, you ought to be a great negotiator with that. It's melodic. It'll put, put people to sleep while you're picking their pockets. So, great talent to have, and we're glad that you've got it. How many, how is, tell me about I should know this, but I don't. What constitutes the governing board of the IMF? Uh,
6: the governing board of the IMF? Well, there are three levels, Senator. Um, the first one is the body where the the, uh, Treasury Secretary uh, Mnuchin and other finance ministers uh, sit and that uh, is uh, a body that meets I think once a year and then under that is uh, the body of all the major uh, central bank governors they have a committee as well and then the, the third level which is what I would be part of is I believe it's a 19 member executive board and uh the as you know a number of the countries have their own representatives on that executive board and some countries are grouped together because obviously there are 189 members of the imf so not everybody can have a, a member of the executive board
0: the reason i asked the question is that the uh, the united nations of course from time to time, it's controversial in this country because of its makeup or some of the positions that it takes, but it has a unique makeup being the body of the General Assembly of the United Nations, but the Security Council of 13 nations over it, which can veto just about anything, any member of that can be veto about anything, is, does your 19-member advisory committee or what was that last group, do they have a same similar role with the IMF that uh, the Security Council has with the United Nations?
6: Um, I would say similar, I mean, certainly, um As as you know, the the United States is the largest shareholder at the IMF, and um, it does have essentially veto power over important matters that occur at the IMF because they require an 85% vote, and the the United States has, I think, about a 16.7% shareholding or so at the IMF. So we do have an important veto power, I suppose, as we do at the United Nations, um, and the mo- only the larger countries are individually represented. So it is somewhat similar. I think that's a good analogy.
0: Mr. Descartes, um you have a really important role, and, and I referred to earlier to who would have thought we'd be engaging with North Korea, with yeah. China, with, with Syria, with all the engagements that we have right now in the world. And our, our soft power that, Sen- that Senator Shaheen referred to, to me, is also very important in these various negotiations we've got going on around the world. In fact, I've always hoped that our strength would always be in our soft power, but but because we had a strong military power, if we had to call on it. Your role is going to be seeing to it that soft power is as powerful as it can possibly be. There have been some, and I said this in a hearing with with, uh, Secretary Pompeo and the CIA a while back, there have been some that have questioned the motivation and the uh, excitement and the enthusiasm in the State Department right now because they've been through some rough times. In part, you'll have a role in what the attitude of the members of the State Department are. What what role do you see you would have in helping with a strong enthusiasm for them to do the job and a strong pride in the job that they have?
5: Senator, uh, thank you for the uh, opportunity to explore the, uh, the relationship with uh, the OFM and the broader State Department. If confirmed, I would hope to... Uh, help bring some of the uh, enthusiasm that Secretary Pompeo has uh, brought into the department over the last few weeks uh, to encourage and show that there is swagger back at the State Department and there is an important role I, I hope that by leading the uh, Office of Foreign Missions, I can show that, at least to the staff there, that their uh, voices are important and they have an important role to play in our national security. So if I'm confirmed, I would hope to encourage that, spread that message among uh, the foreign service officers and civil service officers who do admirable work on behalf of our country. Um, it uh, should be appreciated and recognized, and I will do my part to see that that's, that's the case.
0: Well, that, that was that is the... Uh the answer I was hoping I would get, because I think that you're exactly right in uh, what you've uh, just expressed, and I think your role can be essential to that part, because the State Department and the soft power of our country is still the strength, biggest strength we've got if we have a strong military backing, and we're coming back in the funding of our military now to have both those one-two punches in place. But diplomacy is, it is going to be tested, and our willingness to be good diplomats and support our diplomatic programs around the world and have the very best we can have in those agencies is important, and I'm sure, you're, I'm sure you'll fill that role. Is uh, Senator Shaheen's staff, anybody from Senator Shaheen's staff, is she, She's is she, on she is back Tell her I'm, I don't want to start buying time and wasting their time with me talking, so tell her to hurry. <laughs> Senator Senator Shah- Shaheen will be back in just a second, so. Mr. Mosbacher, when's the last time, I'm on, this is per, personal privilege, when's the last time you were in Atlanta and saw Jean first, do you remember?
4: Oh, at this stage, my memory Mine's I'm bad, I'm trying too. to think. It was a while. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's been several years.
0: Well, she was a great lady, fortunately. Really, oh. really loved your contribution.
4: Special, special person. It was great.
0: Yes. And your husband's contribution, too.
4: Yes, thank you.
0: Mr. Rosen, the IMF uh, finance of developing countries in, around the world and infrastructure in developing countries, things like Electrify Africa, some of the programs that have been talked about in terms of infrastructure. How much? Infrastructure investment in developing nations of the, of the world does the IMF sponsor, or take on, or in some way guarantee?
6: Um, Senator, um, the IMF plays an important role mainly in, um, in more in, in terms of the sort of if a, if a country has financing issues, external financing and trade issues, and it works very closely with its partner on those issues, which is the World Bank. And the World Bank and the IMF obviously sit next to each other and they work on projects together. Frequently, if a country uh, has financing uh, problems relating mainly to its uh, balance of payments issues or external debt issues, then uh, infrastructure projects and other financing projects become very difficult to continue with. And so the IMF has to work very closely with the World Bank on those kinds of issues.
0: If I recall correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the nation of Israel ran into some trouble with its own internal budget here a few years ago in financing, and they fixed it by a recommended program by the World Bank, and I think the IMF was a part of the body that made the recommendation, and that was to go to a biennial budgeting, budgeting process in terms of the way they did their spending of their discretionary spending in Israel. Is, is that correct? I'm not familiar with that, so
6: I'd have to get back to you and check that, um, but it sounds right. It sounds right.
0: Because I personally have thought one of the, one of our biggest challenges as a country, and we got lots of them, but certainly our debt and our deficit are both big problems. But when you get to $20 trillion, you're talking about real money, as Everett Dirksen said a few years ago in Washington. And it's very important that we get our arms around our appropriations and our expenditures and our discretionary expenditures. And I think a biennial budget where you force, where you appropriate in even numbered years, but you do oversight and oversight only in odd numbers of years helps you to get a handle on where your money is going or where you might find money rather than raising taxes or going, raising debt in terms of making a new investment. I just didn't know if you were familiar with what had happened because Israel, I know, changed their process for a while and it solved their economic problems for a while by using biennial budgeting.
6: Sounds very, that sounds very interesting, Senator, and I would like to look into that further with you and have further discussions if I'm confirmed.
0: Ms. Mossbacher, what was your last business? You had a 15-year business. Your last one was a yes. startup.
4: Uh, I manufactured and exported uh, toiletries, hair care, cosmetics, uh, body care around the world.
0: You know, I was very proud of the reference you made to the to Poland re- reaching the two and a half percent goal in terms of share yes. of funding for defense and the, and NATO. I think that was your reference.
4: Yes, they're one of the few countries. One of the
0: few. And we've got to do more of that as a country. We, we, we can always be critical of people for not doing enough, but we sometimes don't brag about the ones who do everything or do as, as much as they should. And I think one of the ways you make better, better partners of those who are not so good is to brag about the ones who are so good.
7: I, we sometimes
0: take them for granted. Chambers of Commerce yes. are always trying to get new members. I tell them you ought to go first save your old members before you go and get <laughs> a new one, because you're going to lose them if you don't. But, uh, and, and I think that's very important to do. From a, stand, from a membership standpoint in terms of the United States of America and the various places will be. Are you familiar with what's going on in, West, in Eastern Europe on uh, anti-Semitism?
4: Yes, I am, Senator. And um, it's, um, unfortunately, it, it's, it's been sparked by a um, Holocaust law that Poland um, passed recently And if confirmed, I would certainly work with uh, Poland to make sure that any legislation they passed is um, clearly does not. We cannot tolerate any kind of bigotry, and this is a this is. Fundamental to to our our values, Um, and I would work with uh, with Poland to make sure that they didn't include that kind of thing in their legislation.
0: I'm sorry. I got. Would you repeat that last sentence?
4: I said I would work with Poland to make sure that before they put out any kind of le- legislation that it did not incite um, bigotry. Uh, that's unacceptable. Uh, intolerance in any form.
0: And it's unacceptable of any country in the world, not I'm any not
4: country in the world.
0: About Poland but that what's happened in uh, Eastern Europe is there's been a little bit of an uprising of anti-Semitism. I know as a, as a Swede, I'm familiar with what goes on in Stockholm and in Sweden and, and really in uh, that part of the world. And there has been some outcroppings of that around that part of the world as well. And it's something we never wanted to get legs or get uh, strength or get a body to it, because if it does, it just is bad for the whole world. Great. Po- the Polish people have been so great and are such a great partner of the United States of America. I know you're going to be a great representative of us to them to see to it that we all work towards making the kind of decisions that are fair and equal to everyone. Right and not critical of just one that might be. Great. I'm going to ask one more question, and if Ms. Sheehan doesn't get here, we're going to be finished. Is that okay? you think think that'd be all right? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, let, I ask all, all that I interview for these jobs, what is the one reason that you could give me more than any other that you accepted the appointment and put yourself up for this confirmation? Mr. Rosen.
6: Senator. Great question. I think the main reason is because I wanted to serve this country and pay something back to it for what it's done for me since I've lived here over many years. And I hope that the experience that I can bring to the job will um, be valuable uh, to the United States in the role as U.S. Executive Director of the IMF. But I'm hoping to give something back
0: to this great country? I can assure you it will be important, and that's exactly the right answer. Mr. Acard? Thank
5: you, sir. Senator, I entered the uh, Foreign Service a little over 20 years ago because of a drive to uh, uh, do something for my country and be of service uh, and utilize an interest uh, in, in global affairs. Um, in the meantime, I've had a number of experiences uh, both uh, overseas on behalf of the the U.S. government, but also in my home state of Indiana, working on business matters and working for the government there. I believe I have uh, uh, developed over that time some other skills uh, that would be of value, and it is an opportunity and a great honor for me, if I'm confirmed, uh, to again have a chance to give back and uh, serve my country. That has been the driving
0: force uh, for my interest. Thank you very much. Ms. Mosbacher.
4: Senator, And this last chapter in my life, the opportunity to take all the experiences that I have had in business and in working with our military and our veterans and be able to serve my country is the greatest honor and something that um, I always wanted to do. Um, Had I known enough early on in my life, I probably would have signed up for the military. But um, instead, I've worked with our military and our great veterans. Uh, and to take this experience and now be able to serve my country, there is no greater honor.
0: Well, I think this is not going to be your last chapter, but it's going to be your best chapter.
4: Thank you, Senator.
0: Thank you very much for your willingness to serve. We stand adjourned.
4: Thank you, Senator.